0: Hello, beautiful. Welcome to the Mama Mindful Podcast, a space to find inspiration, learn, be seen and heard, and most importantly, to remember that we are not alone in this journey. Hello, my lovely mamas, and welcome back to another episode of the Mama Mindful Podcast. I am so excited that you're here, so grateful to you for making the space for this, and so excited to be sharing today's interview with you because it was just such a empowering beautiful conversation I had the opportunity and honor to talk to Kristen she is also known as mama rise on Instagram and her work is just so powerful she is a radical birth worker and that was really what just attracted me to attracted me to her the most was just her name you know the fact that she is shedding light on aspects of birth that not enough people talk about and there are things that make a woman feel so much more empowered and support a woman in creating the birth of her dreams. On this episode, we will dive into her own journey with birth and her three daughters and how that inspired her work today. We also dive into physiological birth, what that means, why it is so important and why it's so important for us as women to reclaim our own innate birthing power which is something that's been taken away from us over the past however many decades other things we talk about is how to navigate birth trauma and also a little bit about the history of birth and how it became medicalized. So there's so much more in this interview. Honestly, I just, I don't even want to say anything more because I just want to get right into it. So let's just dive right in. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mama Mindful podcast, Kristen. I'm so excited to have you here. I can't wait to learn all that you have to share with us. And I'm just super excited to dive into your journey and your work today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's quite an honor. So thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. So to begin, I would love to learn more about you. Well, I live in New Zealand. Um, I live in Christchurch.
1: I am a mama to three beautiful girls who are nearly twelve, which blows my mind. It's a whole like new journey. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: five and three. Um, I have a wonderful husband, Gareth, and. I work part-time as a hairdresser. I'm studying currently to be a birth educator. I have done birth trauma healing education because birth trauma is something that I hold very dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this birth work, birth journey stuff is just the biggest passion in my life. It fuels my soul.
0: (laughs) That's so amazing. I know that on your Instagram, you mentioned... You're giving birth to your three girls transformed your life. So I want to know more about your birth experiences and why and how that happened for you. Well, I'll try and be as brief
1: as possible, but you know how birth just. Take your time. Huge. So my first baby, I was 24 when I had her and I really wanted this beautiful, natural birth. And I, didn't really do anything to get myself prepared. I just believed birth would unfold how I wanted it to unfold. Um, and 12 years ago, I think, you know, we didn't have the internet. We had books we could read. I went to childbirth education classes. I don't even remember them. I don't mm-hmm. remember the content that was in them. Like now, 12 years on, I have, there was no, nothing impactful about it. And I just went into birth believing that all would be well Mm -hmm. um i ended up going 10 days overdue past my due date um really long labor 31 hours i did go into spontaneous labor two days before my booked induction and it was long but i was doing well baby was doing well it was just a really long slow process Mm -hmm. i got up to nine and three quarters dilated and I had a cervical lip I was laboring in the pool majority of the time so I was really relaxed my baby was really relaxed but then my midwife decided it would be a good idea for me to hop on to the bed and she said I'm going to leave you here for 20 minutes we want to monitor baby and she was gone for two hours and I had no pain relief I didn't want pain relief and it got really stressful because, I don't know, if you've laboured on your back with no pain relief on board, it is pretty horrific. It's very uncomfortable. Um, and, of course, you've got these belly bands on, monitoring babies, so you can't really move to even get into position. That, tri- that, that brings comfort. And at one point I got up, all the alarms went off because, of course, the belts dropped off and people came rushing into the room and I was told off told I needed to get back on the bed wow. um, and I was saying I'm 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 so stressed out I'm so exhausted I don't want to be on my back and so my midwife decided to do a cervical examination and found that I'd gone back down to a seven which now I know is actually our body protecting us so back in the stone ages we'd wow. been laboring in a cave and we were faced with a lion our body would go, no, this is not safe. This is not safe for me to birth here. And the adrenaline would kick in. And that's what happened to me. But at that point, it was decided, you're going for a cesarean section.
2: Mm.
1: And at the time, I felt a lot of relief. because I was really exhausted. And then things started happening to me without consent. Um. I had a midwife come into the room to insert a catheter without telling me what she was doing, without asking my permission. I was shaved without permission. Um, Then I was wheeled down to theatre. The whole caesarean itself was fine. It was really relaxed. Everyone was lovely. I was treated well. My baby was born. Um, She was lifted up to me. And the first words the surgeon said to me was, "Here's your baby. She would have died if you tried pushing her out because the cord was wrapped." In a nuchal cord, so the cord wrapped around the neck is so common. And it happened to me, yeah. Yes, and babies generally don't die for it because they're not breathing, you know, from their lungs when they're in mm. when they're in their own utero. So, yeah, that was my initiation into motherhood. It was like, oh my gosh, my baby was going to die. Um, and then I was exhausted. I was wheeled back into recovery after I'd been all stitched up, and my baby wasn't given to me either. She was taken wrapped up, given to my um he was in my partner well, not my husband at the time, and taken into recovery and then my gown was just stripped off me and she and my daughter Isabella was just thrown on my breast, and it was just there was no. Whoa. just gentle introduction it was so rushed and it ended up leaving me really traumatized and wow. breastfeeding was awful within 24 hours my apples were so horrifically damaged that Bella was vomiting up blood and I was told that's just normal it's, um, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh oh and it's, it's really not normal for your baby to be vomiting up blood from your nipples. There needs to be some position work and latching work and support. And none of that was given to me. And um, so, yes, that was my initiation into motherhood with my first daughter. And it really, that unraveled into my early parenting journey. It was just trauma driven. It was so hard to parent my daughter to trust myself because I felt, you know, this whole narrative of my body failed me. I couldn't birth my daughter. Um, And, you know, I think my husband was really traumatized by the whole process as well because we didn't then go on to have another baby for five years.
2: And it was something
1: I had to really, like, beg for because I knew in in my soul there was more souls waiting to come into our lives Mm -hmm. and so five years later we went on to have our second daughter before we had her we had a miscarriage and an ectopic pregnancy which I had to have emergency surgery I lost a fallopian tube and lost my baby and that experience it was huge it was so impactful because in my When I had an ultrasound to confirm my ectopic, you could see my baby's heart beating Mm. in my fallopian tube, and there's no option but to terminate that pregnancy effectively. So we had to go on quite the healing journey emotionally and, you know, physically before we could try again, Mm. and then we fell pregnant with our beautiful rainbow baby, Quinn, and Quinn was a. From conception. (laughs) I was so unwell with Queenie. Um it wasn't confirmed high premises, but I was vomiting all day, every day for 13 weeks. And I think it was just her way of saying, like, I'm strong, mama, I'm here, I'm strong. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: one day, in a moment of very like deep worry. I was sitting in my car and just rainbows shone all around my car. And I was just like, oh, she's okay. Well, this baby's okay. Yeah. She's, and she's here now as this spiritual little horse." But, um, <laughs> wow. yeah, it was so powerful. Right from in my belly, she was communicative, <laughs> which was amazing. But With her pregnancy, I knew I did not want to experience that birth that I had with Bella again. I didn't want to have a cesarean. I wanted to have a vaginal birth, which is a VBAC, Vaginal Birth After Cesarean. And in New Zealand, we get to find a midwife that we love. We're, our midwives are funded, so all our maternity care is funded. So I set about interviewing midwives to find one that really aligned with me, and I did very quickly. I told her I wanted be back and she's like, awesome. Like let's go, let's do this. There was no fear, nothing. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, "You know, I have a ninety percent success rate with my VBAC mama." So I was like, "This is this is the one." And so I had to get myself really educated because you're recommended to go along and see an obstetrician, and then they put all these barriers in your way of an IV line placed, come to hospital when you first go into labor. You need to be constantly monitored on the bed with the CTG machine. You can't use the water. And I threw all of that out and said, well, I don't want an IV in. I'm not going to come to hospital until I need to. And I want a water birth, so we need to somehow figure that out. And I think they just threw up their hands, like, this woman is what she wants. I'm not going to argue. Go for it. Mm-hmm. And so we proceeded with just a normal Vaginal birth, and you know there was no talk of the risks of a vaginal birth after cesarean. It was just like this is a normal birth; so let's treat it that way. And I had uh, a week of yeah, that was it was powerful and it was empowering
2: mm-hmm. just to
1: go normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a week of early labor from thirty nine to forty weeks. So that was fun, and it was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. Um, I lost a lot of confidence in myself at that time because I was starting to lose faith in my body of ever actually going into labor. Um, And in the end, I was like, I'm going to book a repeat cesarean. And I took myself up to the hospital and I booked it for five days later. And I was like, cool, we're done. We've got a plan now. There's an Mm -hmm. end date. This is going to be over. And my midwife came and did a stretch and sweep and I left and I was really like, right, I was strong and I was feeling good. And I went to the mall with my mom and my my eldest daughter. And I was in a clothes shop and contractions just they were it was just on. And wow. a, one of the salespeople came up to me and she said, Are you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, I've just gone into labor. <laughs> <laughs> like, great. And my mom's like, hang on, I need to finish my shopping and we need to go oh to the supermarket. And I'm going, oh, my God, we need to go home. And <laughs> within within two hours of leaving the hospital after booking my cesarean, and I think my body just relaxed, and Yeah, that's why it happened. I was having contractions three to four minutes apart. I was laboring in the street outside my house after I'd, like, got out of the car, and I had to stop and lean against a, a power pole, and it was just on, and it happened so fast. Um at home I was laboring just in my kitchen circling my kitchen it was like my den was my kitchen which is weird because it's you know wooden floor and there's nothing very comforting but that's where I was it's where I made my little den and then when it got too much we went to the hospital and my midwife was just so fierce let no one else in the room she respected all my wishes and it was like everything was happening so quickly and in the end I've tried getting in the water because I wanted a water birth, but that was too much. And I realized now that was transition when it's yeah. just, you know, you don't know what's what and you want to pack up and go home and you don't want to do it anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: And my midwife was like, okay, well, why don't you go to the toilet? Because she didn't internal and my waters were bulging. I was about six centimeters and you can see my waters were in the way.
2: Yeah. I
1: went to the toilet, my waters just popped and I felt Quinn just come crashing down, and I was pushing instantly on the toilet. And so she's like, "Okay,
2: off we go back to the room." Wow!
1: And when once pushing was established, Quinn was born about twenty minutes later. She's this beautiful, tiny, dark-haired little thing just came flying out, and (laughs) I remember at one stage. My my husband and my mom were saying she's got so much hair. And I was just <laughs> like, I'm so excited while pushing. You
2: know, that yeah. Was,
1: yeah. That oh my god! So amazing. Just like I was like, I'm I'm doing this. I'm birthing yeah. my baby out of my vagina.
2: Wow! Amazing. <laughs> oh my so gosh. powerful.
1: Yeah, it oh. was just that that moment was
0: incredible. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I felt so capable.
0: Yeah, so empowering, so beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And I
1: thought I thought that was it for me. That was birth done and I'd had my V back. And eighteen months later we had a lovely little surprise. <laughs> up. And she she was a one time whoopsie just meant to be, my little Mila. And when we went and had an early scan, I said to the radiographer, what ovary did she come from? Because you can see where the cyst bursts and the egg is released. And she came from my right ovary, which is my tubeless ovary. So she's she's just absolutely meant to be. And um, I had to find a new midwife this time because my other one had left the country. And she said to me, Why don't you consider having a home birth because she was the home birth midwife. And I was like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Not for me. Nope. And I was encouraged to go along to a home birth event here in Christchurch. And so I was like, okay, I will. I was about 16 weeks at the time. Went to that by myself, went home and said to my husband, we're going to have the baby at home. And he was like, you can't, you've had a cesarean. You've got to be in the hospital. I was like no I don't it's fine Quinn's birth was fine we'll be fine and anyway this is where I'm having it you're invited but you don't have to be there so he, and this this is me to achieve, like, this is <laughs> yes. my choice yes you don't have absolutely. to be a part of it and so he just threw up his hands and you know he just decided to be supportive and I just continued to educate myself about normal birth and what normal birth looks like, how it behaves and the environment we need. And so I set up this beautiful environment with fairy lights. I had a birth affirmation board. I had just everything around that would bring me comfort. And I went into labor at 38 plus five, just niggles from first thing in the morning, 20 to 30 minutes all day long. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay probably going to end up like Quinn's and this is going to be start of a week of early labor you know all good and I just carried on Gareth was out that night I was talking to my sister on the phone I was like how long have we been talking for because I've had a lot of contractions and it suddenly just suddenly ramped up I was like okay this is getting really serious now so I got my midwife over I got Gareth to come home and they blew up the pool And then my midwife left for a little while just to go and get some rest because she'd been at another birth the night before. And things just really, really ramped up very, very quickly. I got my friend to come over who I'd organized to watch my girls if they woke, but they actually slept through the whole thing. And about two hours later, we needed to get my midwife to come back because I felt like she needed to be there. It was about one o'clock, she arrived arrived at my house. Two o'clock I got into the water. And by 310 I was pushing. And even then I was saying to my midwife, is this real? Am I actually doing this? And oh, at 321, Miss Mila was born and I did it all alone. It was a completely hands-off labor. I had no <sighs> vaginal examinations. Uh, my midwife, apart from using the Doppler, she didn't touch me. There was no interference. It was just a real journey of me and my baby, which was the most amazing thing of my entire life. And it was her birth that completely transformed everything because I realized with the right environment and the right people and the right knowledge, this is what birth can look like. This is normal. Mm-hmm. And normal birth is actually really boring <laughs> because there's no drama. It's just like, yeah. oh, the baby's here.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, yeah.
1: And um, we got our eldest daughter up straight away. She was eight, so she came out and met her baby sister. And I needed a couple of stitches because I'm a really speedy pusher.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um. And she sat on the couch and she held her baby sister while I got stitched up. She saw the birth of the placenta. And then she went and hopped back into bed and got up and went to school the next day. So she went and tell all her friends. (laughs) (laughs) It was just the most amazing thing. And then Miss Quinn got up in the morning as a, she was two. You mummy sitting on the couch with the baby, which is so cool. So, you know, family centered.
0: Yeah. Everyone
1: was involved. No one, yeah, it was just amazing. Absolutely transformational from my first to my last birth. It was like a full 180.
0: Wow. And I, I feel like I always hear like that third birth for moms that do have three children. Like it's always so different. Like it's like the peak of everything and not to say the other one's parent, but I feel like you just gain so much more experience and you're so yeah. prepared because for my first birth, I was just like, I'm just gonna go with the flow, like let it happen. It was COVID. There was no classes that we could even take. So me and my partner were not prepared at all. Like, I feel like we weren't even really a team. Like he was just sitting there and I was just kind of like doing my own thing in my own bubble. And I'm like, no, like that's definitely not how I want the next one to be. And now kind of exposing myself more to motherhood and the birth world through Mama mindful. I'm like, oh my God, it can be so different. And like you said, in the right environment, it can be so blissful because you know what I mean? Like if your body's relaxed, everything things will feel like a wave like those waves that you hear people talk mm-hmm. about and how they're not so painful and i feel like for my experience like they definitely hurt you know and i i know a lot of it has to do with the the stress of being in the hospital or like moving so much and not knowing where i was yeah. going to be because there was so mm-hmm. much uncertainty so it's just beautiful what happens when you actually start to prepare for it and if any mamas are tuning in you know i think the day it's your choice but doing research and preparing is definitely so important
1: and any birth environment can have that beautiful blissful birth it's just it honestly comes down to even in hospital Take mm-hmm. the fairy lights and plug them in. Turn yeah. the room lights out. Say that no one else is allowed to come into the room. You can take it's not saying home birth is like the top of the hierarchy and everyone has to birth at home, but take yeah. home with you wherever you're going yeah. and set yourself up in your environment. Because even in a hospital, that birthing room that you're in is your room while you're in there birthing. Absolutely. And so it's all about you and your your choices and what you want. So, yeah, take home with you wherever you go to birth and you can create that blissful,
0: easy, normal birth. I couldn't agree more <laughs> with that. Yeah, I yeah. want to backtrack a little bit to ask a couple of things with regards to mm-hmm. your birth. So you mentioned that you had a VBAC. Is there any specific, anything specific that you did to prepare for that, to have it be so like you said, normal compared to what people consider a VBAC to be or all the stigmas around it? So, I mean,
1: when you have a VBAC and I know in America, it's more common to have an obstetrician, isn't it? than have a midwife.
0: Yeah. And yeah, It's becoming more normal to have midwives. Like I had a midwife, but it's definitely, yeah. 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 It's becoming more. And,
1: normal. you know, with, with a VBAC here, you have to go and see an obstetrician and an obstetrician, is focused on the risk and so they talk a lot about the risk and the risk for a first time v-back mama is 0.5% risk of uterine rupture hmm. and for me I was just like okay so there's a 0.5% risk of rupture but there's a 99.5% chance that that's not going to happen so for me it was literally flipping the narrative and going I'm going to focus on the 99.5% chance, not the 0.5% chance, because there's actually about a 0.35% chance for a first time birthing mother to have a uterine rupture.
2: So small. So the (laughs) the
1: increase of rupture is so tiny. Yeah. And even for multiple caesareans, the rupture increase is still so minimal, not even 1%. Mm -hmm. So it was just, flipping my mindset, focusing on the big number, the biggest number instead of the tiny little risk. Because I did have faith in my body. I, I did go into spontaneous labor. What I also think is really important with a VBAC is understanding your cesarean birth. Mm. Why did that happen? What happened with my first birth that may have been the journey to ending up with a cesarean and uh, like, were you induced because induction increases the risk of cesarean did you have an epidural how early did you have it what was baby's positioning like were your waters broken artificially too soon Mm -hmm. um there's so much in a story that can explain an outcome or give you an understanding of the outcome and so it's Basically, wait for, your, wait for your body to go into labor spontaneously and let it unfold exactly how it needs to, which could be six hours, it could be 24 hours or more,
0: but trust the process. That makes so much sense. Absolutely. And the second thing was you said that you went to that birth, home birth class and mm-hmm. something shifted within you. What was it that made you change your mind?
1: hearing other women's stories and just going, if they can do it, why can't I? Mm -hmm. And some were first time birthing mothers that had home births and just did their bodies so implicitly, even as a first time mom who, you know, you go into birth as a first time mama with no idea of what to expect. It's completely unknown. And they did it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, of course I can do it. I have labored before. And I know I like my body knows what to do. Why can't I just stay at home? And that that was it, it was just hearing other women's stories. Mm,
0: there's something so powerful about storytelling. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's so amazing. So, how did your birth experiences inspire the work that you do today with mamas? Well, I
1: think because I'm training as a childbirth educator. I'm just about finished November. Yay. Wow. What exciting. <laughs> um, so I think really just good birth education is important. And it's for me, it's not about understanding what pain relief pain relief options you have, but it's understanding the process of physiological birth and how the environment's impactful and our support team's impactful and trusting the body and how the body supports itself in labor that stuff is so important so that when it comes to birth time women have the ability to make really informed decisions around inductions and pain relief and just knowing okay so if I choose to do this what are the impacts on my natural birthing process Mm. and um I really want to bring that to the table because our antenatal classes in New Zealand are, you know, there'll be a class on health and a class on normal birth and then um, assisted deliveries like your caesareans forceps, pain relief options and then early postpartum and it's just very basic snippets of no really detailed and I want to bring that to the table, detailed education about normal birth um, and then I have done birth trauma healing education which it's such a huge passion of mine it's obviously very dear to my heart having had a traumatic birth with my first daughter but I want to be able to provide a space for women to unpack and understand their stories and support them in recreating their their next birth journey and Preparing for the next birth journey, which I think is really important. And it doesn't matter if it is a cesarean birth, how can you prepare for that to create a really healing journey for yourself? And it might just come down to things like I want delayed cord clamping.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want my baby put straight on my chest, it's just those really little things. And then I offer uh, doula services as well. So women can have me at their birth. I think doulas are just worth their weight in gold um and can work really collaboratively. Sorry, I've just got a little person no <laughs> popped in. Um, yeah, dollars could work collaboratively with midwives, obstetricians. So I often that work.
0: <laughs> oh, Hi. School holidays.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Um, my Quinn is obsessed with babies.
2: Oh, I love birth. that. They sit and watch my
1: ch- girls sit and watch birth videos. Um, so, yes, my whole purpose is to support women to find their inner power,
2: really,
0: mm. and it's inner so belief. Beautiful. It's that's so beautiful, because I feel like with that alone, you can create such a beautiful birth experience, just like learning how to trust our body, because we've been taught not to do that. You know, we've been taught to to trust the medical system instead of our own body, which is so crazy when you think about it, like how many women go to the hospital because they feel more comfortable there, because somehow we've been taught to believe that a doctor knows us better than we know ourselves
1: and it was i actually heard something on a podcast episode recently and it was just a snippet of information it wasn't the point of the podcast but it was that the whole hospital system is built on the belief that a woman's body is flawed hmm and that you know we're more than capable of growing another human but actually when it comes to birth you can't do it on your own you need the pain relief and you need the force delivery and the episiotomy Um, all these things when actually our body when left alone and trusted will perform and birth their baby statistically about 5% of births will require help so the hospital system is amazing that it's there and it does save lives 5% and in some Um, cities in New Zealand we've got cesarean section rates of over 50 percent
2: whoa
1: and I'm like how
2: yeah how
1: does one in two women end up with the surgical delivery of their baby
0: oh my gosh really mind-blowing yeah I I want to ask you when and why did childbirth become medical medicalized like when did this Take a turn, and this happened. <laughs> if you have, if you have an answer for that,
1: <laughs> so so I'm not I'm not man bashing, but it is when mm-hmm. men got involved in birth because pre- predominantly it was midwives with women, and it wasn't even women that were educated. It was women that had experienced birth. So it's the most. It was just a woman in their community in the village that went to birth. And then that invite other women who had experienced birth that will become more experienced and start attending mm-hmm. births. And for a long time, it was men don't need to be a part of it. Why would we get involved in birth? Um, and then it was—I think it was about the 1800s—male midwives started stepping in, and it was started to see as a a rich woman well-off women would hire a male midwife to have in their home just in case something went wrong. Mm. Um, And then it just spiraled from there. And it, you know, women's bodies were made out to be, and this is in, this is documented as a flawed male's body. We were the the messed up male's body pretty much. And (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well <laughs>
1: <laughs> and men just started to interfere and think they knew a woman's Oof. body better than what a woman knew it herself. And you know, things like breaking a woman's waters was introduced by a male obstetrician in the nineteen sixties for no reason.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: He just did. He was a farmer as well, and he had cows. And it used to help calves be born, and I think it came from that idea that sometimes they broke their waters and pulled the calf out. There is no reason for a woman's waters to be broken in birth because they break at some point, or babies born in their sack. Yeah. Um, and it was about the nineteen only the nineteen fifties that birth predominantly moved to hospitals. So That's really recent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: that we've had this huge movement into hospital births and things like twilight sleep so women being drugged up to their eyeballs that they are they don't know what's what they um they get quite psychotic so they are held down with restraint birth their babies and then they're bought to and they have a baby and that was the 1970s mm-hmm. that was happening
0: so recent, it's crazy. So
1: recent. And it's only 1990 that um, evidence based medicine in birth was taken into account. Everything else was just culturally based. You know, it came from this cultural narrative of this is what's happening right now, so we'll do it. But there was no evidence behind it. So it's only 30, 31 years ago that we started practicing based on evidence from research.
0: Mm-hmm. well it's just mind-boggling to think that that's what the system is founded on wow it's it's just it just reminds me that it's so important to do our research and question everything
1: mm-hmm. question everything. <laughs> everything everything well why do i need that my body's got it but why my body does that we yeah. really need very little in birth unless mm-hmm. medically
0: absolutely why is it so important for us women to reclaim our innate birth and power why do we need to get back to that I mean not need but why is it important for us to get back to our roots and what kind of what it used to be like it doesn't have to be exactly like that because technology I feel does Mm. have its place but yeah how can we kind of why should we get back to that
1: birth you know, we mentioned, I've always said birth is really transformational, but it is so transformational. You're not, and we've heard it a million times, it's not just a baby being born, it's it's a mother. And a woman is going from maiden to mother and the shift is so incredibly profound. You've got one in three women walking out of birth traumatized by their experience. Mm. So it also means one in three babies are coming out traumatized and it's so impactful the impacts of birth on the woman but on the baby as well is just quite profound um and if you look back at your own birth your own personal birth story how you were born if your mum has shared it with you and I say this to anyone listening it will probably tell the story of your life i i personally look at my birth and it just blows my mind i was a posterior baby i got stuck my mum describes it as a long labor and i needed a forceps delivery so i had to be forced out pulled out before i was ready posterior is a version of normal posterior babies generally turn they just take their time and now i i look back on my life and i've gone through life of getting you know, going well, going well. And then I get stuck and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I need external help and support and cheerleading to get me through this next stage. Mm. And that's my birth. And instead of the doctors and my own mom trusting my timing and letting me take as long as it needed to take, I was forced. And so it's, you know, it really impacted my ability Mm
2: -hmm. to
1: make my own choices and get out of these stuck situations on my own. It's just the impact is humongous, you know, not to mention physiological things like vaginal seeding that the baby gets being born through the vagina, the bacteria that then impacts their microbiome and breast milk, which is the truly is the best thing for the microbiome but if you have a surgical birth can make breastfeeding challenging Mm. how does an induction impact a woman's natural ability to labor hugely you're not even going to have access to your laboring hormones Mm. if you have artificial hormones being pumped through your body so your baby doesn't have the benefits of those natural hormones you don't necessarily get that huge, big rush of oxytocin and fall in love instantly with your baby. Neither does your baby. The impacts are just so, so profound that coming back to being informed and then making the best decision. And for some women, that's going to be, I need the repeat cesarean or I want to have it because it's better for my mental health. But that's still going to impact the baby in a really positive way because mum's relaxed. Mm-hmm. Mum's making a good decision, and that baby's going to feel really held in that decision. And then there can be planning around mum having baby straight straight away, and being able to bring on that oxytocin. But the skin to skin is just so powerful; it's just so impactful. Mm. It's hard to really put into words the impact of birth on mama and baby. And so many people, oh, you know, it's just birth. It's just a
0: moment in time. It's really not. It's
1: lifelong. Yeah.
0: Lifelong. Yeah. I mean, it's like everything that we experience in our life, like it might be a moment of our life, but it has an imprint on the rest of our life. And this is such a profound experience, even if you're not aware of it, there's a lot happening spiritually and energetically.
1: Oh, yeah. That
0: Yeah. That for it to be, the sacred moment that it's meant to be it that's so powerful it's so Mm -hmm. necessary yeah absolutely are there any other benefits to physiological birthing I know you touched on some already but I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to add
1: the biggest you know the biggest benefit to physiological birth is those laboring hormones Mm
2: -hmm. you have
1: oxytocin driving birth you have endorphins coming in to you know, give you some pain relief, you have adrenaline to help you birth your baby and then again you get that oxytocin hit and that supports mama in that whole birthing process and in those early parenting days as well with establishing breastfeeding with your baby, with your milk making hormone prolactin and it's babies are often more alert, they're more mm. awake, they're more willing to breastfeed because They've had all those beautiful hormones supporting them. And, you know, more often than not, there's less complications. There's less chance of postpartum hemorrhage. Um, The placenta generally births physiologically as well with no need for additional support. The impacts, it's just phenomenal. And then, of course, the after impacts, which I know you would have experienced, of going, man, I am a superwoman. I'm a warrior. Yes. I did that. Like you feel like screaming from the rooftop. of, I just pushed a human out of my vagina. I did it.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, literally and like you're,
1: <laughs> you're also just so blessed out with your baby. And you don't there might be aspects. I'm not going to say it as a as a whole, you know, thing. Because I've spoken to a woman who was traumatized by the pain of labor because she wasn't expecting it. Right. But on a whole, you come out just really blissed out. And the one one really powerful thing about oxytocin is you look back on your birth and you're quite wistful about it and it was, you know, pretty amazing. And you just sort of it's quite dreamy. That's yes. oxytocin and it does that to your brain. It does that to your memory. So we have more babies.
0: Wow. Whereas you talk
1: to these traumatized women (laughs) who remember everything so vividly that they can't honestly say, I don't know if I can do that again. Mm -hmm. Because everything, they remember it. Whereas you get that oxytocin and it's like, I could do it a thousand times.
0: Absolutely. It's so funny because, like, that's how I feel. I feel like I can remember those moments, but what I experience when I, delivered my child over triumphs that times a hundred. Like I could do it all over again. (laughs) It's just, and now like learning more about the different birthing methods and physiological birth, because I had no idea about this when I gave birth. I didn't do Uh enough research. I thought I did, but I guess I really didn't. I was just trying to like let it happen as it was meant to happen. But I think sometimes, you know, putting a little bit of effort, it's like manifesting, you know, like you can't expect- your life to be what it what you want it to be without creating the vision and it kind of was like the same thing with my birth but now knowing up at all of these different things I'm like I can't wait to do it that way you know to just like really allow my body to take control and do what it was meant to do and to feel that just that empowered and that connected to myself because it really Mm -hmm. takes a certain level of connection to your inner self to have that kind of surrender
1: And really, because labor is teamwork between the mom and the baby, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Yes. It is, and it's the most beautiful moment of being one with your child for the very last time, and you're doing Mm -hmm. this dance together to bring them earthside. They tell us how to move. They tell us what position we need to be in for their body Mm -hmm. to be born, and it will be different every time. Another really important thing I want to just share with physiological birth, part of the the researching process is building your support team and being really clear about who you're having in your support team because everybody brings their own birth story. And you need to do, I think one of the most important things we can do is to let go of our birth
2: story
1: mm-hmm. I mean like our birth story because I took that into my first I don't want to have what mum had I don't want to, I don't want my baby to be born how I was mm-hmm. that was and I brought that into my birth but then everyone around you being able to say I know what your belief is I know how you feel don't bring that into my space please and if you know, I, I think sometimes mums aren't the best people to have in a birth. <laughs> yeah, um, invite them straight after, but they're not always because that emotional connection to their own baby, mm-hmm. you know, and all that pain. Mm-hmm. But the prediction of their own birth experiences if they have an impact that can be really impactful on the environment. Um. So yeah, really setting up your support team to support you and your wishes and your desires for your birth and encouraging them to leave their stories at the door and to have trust in you. And if they can't, please don't come.
2: I love that. Because you only
1: get one opportunity to have this birth. And I know so many of us, especially as women, we walk around as people pleasers. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's just, I think, a part of being a woman. Especially when you know your menstrual cycle, you have estrogen and that's the people pleasing hormone. Um, yeah, <laughs> so all around the time of ovulation, you want to please other people, but um, it's just kind of bred into us and we can bring this into our birth. Oh, well, I don't want her to feel left out, I should have her there. And um, oh, my mother in law would really like to be there and it would make my husband happy, even though I don't want her to see me in that way. But oh, you know, it's it's not about anybody else. But you as the birthing person, and you get one chance, and you. I I hate feeling I, that feeling I had after my first daughter of that my other births were the do over, mm-hmm. and my next opportunity to heal that birth, and it does it doesn't do that. It provides more information and more education about how that birth unfolded the way it did, but. Don't put yourself in the position where you're going to need a do-over. Set yourself up really strongly from the beginning. And then the process unfolds however it does. You know, you've given yourself a really strong foundation for a really beautiful
0: experience, however it unfolds. Mm, that's so powerful. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I could say so much. I could go on and on and on. I really could. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're going to have to do a second one because I could just listen to you speak all day. I just, I feel like there's, it's things that not everyone talks about and everyone should be talking about it in the birth world. You know, I think this kind of information empowers us in so many ways and even not just women that are expecting. I feel like just as a woman in general, because we're reclaiming our power, we're remembering. What our body is capable of beyond birthing, like we're we're just so powerful as a whole, and I feel like that power has really been taken away from us over the decades. So it's beautiful, just like hearing you speak about it, and then to connect that to our own innate power as a as in general mm-hmm. to remember that, yeah.
1: It's like our menstrual cycle. There's so much shame that's been put on women over the years. we've been shamed because our menstrual cycle is so powerful Mm -hmm. the hormones that drive it are just powerful and every month we're building a home in our body for a baby how cool is that women are amazing
0: (laughs) we we are so amazing we were talking about this and we had like a little pre-interview before we had the actual interview, just to kind of get to know each yeah. other, we we got onto this topic because I was doing some research and just really understanding my cycle better because I was never taught to look at it in a sacred way growing up. And I learned that it was, you know, what men were kind of trying to take our power away because the women is so powerful during their cycle where it's a time that we're most intuitive, most connected to source our guides our angels at times that were receiving visions and back in the day the women that were menstruating were put together so that they could receive the visions to then guide the village forth and like it's just crazy to think that we've gotten so far away from that and you know coming back to physiological birth coming back to understanding the sacredness of the power that we hold in so many ways it's just it can literally move mountains <laughs> it's just the woman you know and it's not to shame men or anything no not at all all. not at all it's just to it's more towards just women in general for us to remember that's all like remember Mm -hmm. where we came from who we are and what we're made of
1: yeah absolutely and men and women could have such a beautiful collaboration yes yeah and the power that a man and a woman could bring together if they were truly equal and both seen as these yeah. powerful beings would just blows my
0: mind, you know,
1: yeah. Yeah. a woman coming together. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. I, I love that you say that because I feel like when the man honors the woman and the woman honors the man, it's magic. That's creation. That yeah. is the feminine and the masculine coming together and creating the world that we live in today. You know, mm-hmm. those are those two energies that are needed to have life.
1: And then imagine the, the humans being born out of those relationships
2: mm-hmm. of just
1: such oh, equality being made from the most unconditional respect and love. Mm-hmm. The humans being born out of that, the world would change.
0: What change? And I mean, I feel like it totally is. I'm an optimist, <laughs> and I feel like we're, you know, we're we're really getting to a point where the energies are being more balanced, and and we're starting to honor that a little bit more, so mm-hmm. that we can, yeah. you know, bring children into this world to look at life differently and understand their power a little bit better, mm. yeah, beyond their gender, you know.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm. Got an exciting future ahead, I think. An exciting
0: world, one day. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, one day. <laughs> so I want to backtrack a little bit here because you know I think of myself, and I didn't really know what a physiological birth was for a long time. So let's just touch on that really quickly. What is a physiological birth for those who don't know?
1: The physiological birth is allowing your body to go into spontaneous labor, and this. It's, it's quite a wee process and you know that we have the states 37 weeks to 42 weeks is you know a full term so early full term 37 40 weeks full term 42 weeks late term and for some reason we get to 40 weeks and we're like "Eviction day baby you need to get out um and so we see women being induced normally around 41 plus three. So babies are forced from the womb when they're not ready. And it's the mm-hmm. truth. They're not, they're not ready. Um, no one really knows what it is that triggers labor. But there's some research around it being that the baby's lungs are developed and they send basically a message to the placenta, which then sends a message to the brain and the brain then starts releasing oxytocin. And the uterus has oxytocin receptors and it picks up the oxytocin and contractions start. So your baby is literally saying, I am ready to be born. I'm ready to breathe on the outside. And then labor starts and physiological birth. You know, we talk about stages of labor, which I think is really unhelpful um, because often time limits are put on stages of labor stage first stage maybe 12 to 24 hours and so you have this in your mind and you get past Mm -hmm. that and you're like what's going on you start losing faith in your body straight away so throw out the stages of labor and trust the process and early labor can take a really long time I had a week of it with my second daughter seven days
2: but then active labor
1: was about six hours So your body's doing a lot of work, even in those early stages where it feels like it's going on and on and on. And so you don't want to get augmented, no artificial drugs. This is all part of the physiological process. Just let it unfold. And then when you have a physiological birth, you can have a physiological birth of the uterus, of the uterus, of the placenta, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, yeah, so that is physiological birth. It is about having patience and waiting for birth, for your baby to be ready for birth, for labor to happen spontaneously. And throwing out the dates, doing what you need to do to be comfortable. might mean, extra monitoring of your baby if you're getting towards that 42 weeks, but trust the process and trust your baby knows it's birthday. Mm. So that's physiological birth really is
0: waiting. So beautiful. I I just had a friend that had her baby, and she didn't have consistent contractions. And the way that she deals with pain is she goes in. So she was just kind of sitting meditating. And the midwife would ask her husband, like, Hey, can you like show me her throat contractions? She was just silent. But internally, she was experiencing so much that with not having consistent contractions, she was like, Oh, she's not in labor, you know, like, yeah, nothing, nothing is happening. And I think it was two hours total. And she ended up delivering her own baby at home in her bathtub, because she didn't even have a chance to blow up the birthing pool. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sharing this because what you said, you know, like throughout the stages, throughout the expectations and everything you've been taught, because your body will do what it needs to do. And it will probably happen completely differently from how you thought it was going to happen.
1: Yeah, and that's what happened though when birth started getting medicalized is that woman's body was seen as a machine mm. and it formed a very specific way, every single woman and every single birth. And it's it's not. It is can be inconsistent. And then there's also, you know, you hit a certain point in labor and it can labor can stall around yes. that seven, eight centimeter mark. It's really common. And I see it all the time i got to seven eight centimeters and labor stalled so they gave me pitocin or oxytocin or synthocin on to augment my labor and kick started again but you're having that rest because you're about to birth your baby and your body is doing physiologically what it needs to do to give you a rest to then have the energy to push your baby out because that takes them it takes some energy And that's all part of the physiological process. But, you know, and and it is in a hospital environment. They don't
0: give you that time
1: to just rest. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it just goes back to, Honoring our body and trusting that it knows best and that nature is so perfect. Like when you just stand back and you watch nature, the way that flowers bloom, their colors, just everything in it, the way that animals are born, everything it's so perfect, and there's no intervention. Okay. And no. we've gotten so far away and from like recognizing ourselves as nature that we've somehow just think we're like this super refined and elegant technological being that needs such different care and treatment and that goes to you know our soil and all of that like we've just gotten so far away because we somehow need to think we're more special (laughs) and like you you know what I mean so it's just yeah it just goes back to trusting that we are a part of nature and nature was Mm -hmm. designed so perfectly and exactly the way that it needed to be
1: yeah and that's it it's as simple as that we are a part of nature just like a flower blooms so will our body and that you know so much of the imagery around birth is a flower blooming of the cervix Mm -hmm. opening
2: it's the same it
1: just unfolds and we don't judge a flower for how it unfolds
2: yeah we
1: don't judge that it starts out yellow but it's supposed to be pink Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: process happen as it matures Mm. we've complicated things far
0: too much absolutely I so I have this question for women that do go way past and they're told that they just have to get a c-section like what is your take on that because I'm just thinking like if this ever happens to me and I really just want to have like a regular natural birth at home but there are complications and things like that, like, what is, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So, I mean, every birth is, it's, it's all case by case. Some mm-hmm. women do gestate for longer. Okay. Wow. Um, so generally, you know, if you have someone that's gone 42 weeks, say for their first, then they're probably going to go a bit longer next time as well. Like that's their normal. And often there'll be recommendations of, extra monitoring of baby and of mum, and you've you've got to decide yourself what risks you're willing to take and Mm. risk with birth is always very 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 minimal Mm. and there'll be talk around increase of stillbirth increases by 50 percent so the risk of stillbirth increases by 50 percent but the 50 percent is that it increases from goes from 0.04 percent to 0.06 but you'll only be told it increases by 50 percent so yeah. it's yeah so it's still mm-hmm. really really minimal so it's figuring out what risks you're willing to take am I okay with sitting here some women will go to 44 weeks which is mind-blowing
2: mm-hmm. but
1: perhaps all their babies have been born around that 42 week mark so it's just in normal um and then say with a woman who went at 39 weeks for her first baby and then starts going longer next time you, you know, it's, it's deciding, am I willing to go here? Is something going on because I went a lot earlier last time, or do I just need to trust this process and trust this baby? Because that's the other thing we get so caught up on what was last time that we forget that it's, its own birth journey Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that your baby is its own individual being and our body is the vessel in which they birth but they also know the way in which they need to birth Mm. um it's it's really tricky because we've all Mm. got a different basis for risk I personally would just let myself go um, if I was to have another baby and if I got to 42 weeks, I'd probably be very uncomfortable and very grumpy.
2: <laughs>
1: but I would trust the process and trust my baby. I would probably want to have, you know, check on baby, make sure everything's okay, make sure the percentage is okay, my fluid's okay. But otherwise I would I just trust my baby to do what it needed to do. Um, there is no, unless medically indicated, literally medically indicated there's still no reason to be induced or have a cesarean just for an overdue baby
0: mm. wow yeah so much I feel like we don't know because it's just they're not transparent about it you know like they just want to push for that so they don't really tell you what's in the in the small letter <laughs> at no, the end they yeah, don't the fine lines course-
1: you go to an obstetrician when you're starting to talk medical, you know, intervention and the obstetrician only know intervention birth. They don't actually know physiological birth because hmm. that's not their job to know physiological birth. So you can also, okay, well, I've got the obstetrician's recommendations. What would my midwife recommend? What are my doula's thoughts? Of course, a doula's is not a medical person that they can give you their thoughts so yeah. seek out the, that information from different sources with different backgrounds you need that physiological background because the obstetrician is going to give you their medical um background and then weigh up your decision you decide you know sits well with you because we're all going to have different thoughts for some for some women that very minimal but 50% increase in stillbirth is going to be a deal breaker. They're going to be like, no, get my baby out.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's
1: okay. all part of that process when you get down that end of pregnancy.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. It's, you know, basically just honoring yourself and what feels right to you instead of yeah. just going based off of what someone else is telling you out of their fear response. Yeah.
1: You, I, I do recommend getting all the information, sitting yes. with that and going,
0: where do I sit? Absolutely. I love that. Do you have time for a couple more questions? Yeah, absolutely. yeah okay. Yay. I'm like, I know we're going over, <laughs> but I still have a couple more things that I want to ask because I know that you're a birth trauma you do work with birth trauma and you've had your own experience with birth trauma. So for a mama that does go over and ends up getting the C-section or getting induced or like you has a traumatic experience, what are your recommendations to work through that trauma and kind of heal that aspect of themselves so that they can then go on and maybe have a beautiful experience like you did? I definitely
1: recommend seeking out someone that is specialized in birth not they don't have to be specialized in birth trauma, but understand birth to unpack your birth, find some understanding with it. Um, so many of the stories I hear are: I was overdue, I was induced, got the epidural, my baby got distressed, I had a cesarean. I hear it all the time. Not that that's you know, but it's unpacking your story and understanding it and knowing maybe I can do things differently next time. Maybe I don't get induced next time or maybe I want the cesarean section, but how do I make that a really beautiful process for myself, for my family? Um, Definitely seek out support. Don't sit with it because you could end up with post-traumatic stress disorder. Deal with it as early as you possibly can. And also, you know, if you're early into a traumatic birth, make sure you're seeking support with breastfeeding and just the early parenting journey. Because often, and we lack this knowledge hugely, is that intervention in birth often requires intervention in early parenting. Mm. So intervention with breastfeeding just to make sure that mama and baby are really well connected. So just simple things like skin-to-skin whenever possible with your baby to help with milk-making and help with baby latching. Um, And then intervention with mama, making sure she's supported, hearing her, listening to her. Um, So for the mama seeking out that support, maybe hiring a postpartum doula to Mm -hmm. come and do little things around the home and just caring for mum. And I think it's really crucial. And we don't say at least your baby's healthy because that's the bare minimum in birth. Mm -hmm. Because it's that kind, I read this today, healthy mum, healthy baby is actually a live mum and a live baby. And that's the bare minimum. We want mama to come out of birth well and respected so that they can you can't have a healthy baby and an unwell mum mm-hmm. caring for that baby because they can't. So that interventions really necessary. They need to be wrapped up when they have had a traumatic birth or just a difficult birth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So have that awareness of I'm, you know, if you feel unsure about your birth at birth, just make things happen really quickly okay well I'm going to need extra support in my home who can I have there to help because I'm feeling fragile or I'm sore you know don't think you've got to be a superwoman get up and do all the things be really really kind and gentle and acknowledge your experience for what it was and just seek support get support don't don't let it fester because it's it can have such significant impacts
0: if you don't um work through it Mm
2: -hmm.
0: i love that and you know like you said it's hard you didn't say that this but you said don't hold it in and i feel like as women it's hard to just be vulnerable sometimes, which is crazy because I feel like female energy is vulnerability. It's being soft and open and honest with ourselves and others. And I feel like we've gotten so far away from that and instead we try to be so strong. Yeah. And if, you know, if it's hard for you to kind of seek out support because of that, just remember that it's not just for you, it's also for your baby because that energy that you're holding in is impacting your baby and your connection to your child in so many ways so I think that in itself could maybe inspire some moms to just Mm -hmm. open up and let it out because it's going to change so much yeah
1: and it comes back to that people pleasing thing too we don't we hold it in so that we don't make other people around us feel uncomfortable
0: yes exactly instead of
1: just saying hey you can sit with my uncomfortability because I it's
0: need okay. to, Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay to feel uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to be hungry and sit with the hunger instead of reaching for anything and everything that you can, you know, and like, that's yeah. just such a simple example, but bigger feelings, it's also okay to just allow yourself to feel and hold that space for the feelings of others as well. Absolutely. So the last question I have is for mamas that love the idea of physiological birth, but they might have a lot of fear around it because of the stories they might've heard, or they just are fearful of what the outcome might be. Do you have any advice for them to kind of work on their mindset and shift that story and shift the perspective?
1: So we, we live in a culture today where birth trauma stories are predominantly what we hear. And so we have women that are going to the hospital because Jane and Sarah and Victoria all had these awful births and thank goodness they were at hospital, so I should go there too just in case because it's what we hear all the time. Mm -hmm. And as a pregnant woman, you need to be able to say, I can't hear this and fill your ears with the positive story so start listening to positive stories seek it out and then do birth education that educates you on physiological birth understand how your body works in labor and how supportive the beautiful cocktail of hormones is when you are laboring and birthing your child Understand your environment and the importance of your environment and your support people. And when you can start, and this is what I had to do for my, my home birth because there was a little bit of fear because I'd had a psoriasis, but you, it's, it's gaining the knowledge to get rid of the fear. And then I think if you can get a doula to because they will support you in that emotional in that emotional and mental way of setting you up with more information about physiological birth. It's so easy to fear birth because mm-hmm. that's what our entire system is built on right now is birth fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why we've got hospitals who are busting at the scene with birthing men. And it's a whole entire systematic issue. We fear birth so much that as birthing women, we're putting hospitals under so much pressure that they're busting at themes. They don't have time to wait for physiological birth to unfold. You know, if you birth at our local hospital here as a normal, healthy, well mama, you're most likely going to end up with an intervention birth because they don't have time. They've got another, you know, five women who are due to come in and are coming in and some are emergencies and suddenly there's no room for emergent mm-hmm. women. Um. So do take responsibility for your fear. Understand where your feelings come from. Go back to your own birth story and make some sense of What's my mum been telling me about birth? That's obviously a very, very big one. Mm-hmm. What's my story I've been hearing since I was a little girl about birth? And you've got you've got to put in the work and unpack it, get out of your head, listen to the positive stories, and learn about physiological birth. So at least then you're well informed, and you might still go. Hey, I don't want to be in the hospital, but then take all that stuff with you into the hospital. But just, yeah, you've got to take responsibility and it's not relying on just listening to the podcasts and all those things to get you informed. It is going out and doing the deep inner work Mm. from all the things that have built this fear, belief around birth in your lifetime. I mean, You may have 30 years, I had 24 years of stories coming at me about birth and my own birth story, and that's often the one you hear the most. Mm -hmm. So you go in there. I went in there not fearing, but, like, I'm not going to have the same thing, and it all turned to crap and ended up with (laughs) a traumatic (laughs) birth. And I think it was because I was so determined not to that I never actually Mm. relaxed into
0: birth. Yeah. And also because you were meant to do this work.
1: Well, yes. Yes. I'm really grateful for my birth stories and my journeys that I've been on. Because if I hadn't, I wouldn't be. Absolutely not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, in a way, it was just the universe saying, you're going to do this work so other moms don't have to. Yeah.
1: Sometimes I'm like, okay, I am the vessel.
0: Yes. I'm,"
1: I'm a human, but I'm also a vessel for this work. So. I get put on the right path. It's all good. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I've enjoyed all of this conversation so much. There's just so much value and passion and beauty and, you know, what you call your work for bir- like radical birth talk. And I absolutely love that. And I'm so excited for mamas to be able to bathe in all of this beautiful, knowledge because it's just so empowering in so many ways well
1: thank you so much for having me i've been of looking course. forward to this very much and yeah, yeah i wish i wish for all mamas to have a really powerful birth however it unfolds yeah. with just the right information i and birth trauma i think can be absolutely 100 percent prevented and eradicated mm-hmm. put me out of a job <laughs> would be my ultimate goal yes absolutely where can mamas (laughs)
0: connect with you
1: um you can find me on instagram at mama rise Um, that's my main i'm on facebook as well but i'm much um, much more present on instagram and you can connect with me on there private message me
0: ask me questions just yeah connect please i love so much yeah Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. This was so great. And I hope that we get to do a second one because there's still so much that I want to talk to you about. I think we could do a whole interview just about birth trauma as a whole. So we'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah, I thank you so much. Mamas, how powerful was that? I know that This conversation made such a huge impact in my life, and I can only imagine how you mamas that are expecting and getting close to that birthing day are feeling right now. So I am so grateful to Kristen for giving us so much time out of her day to share such beautiful, empowering words and knowledge, and I'm so excited to know that I get to share it all with you mamas. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast before you head out, I would love if you do subscribe. And of course, if you haven't left a review, I would love to hear your feedback because you are what makes this better. So again, thank you for being here. I hope you have the most amazing morning, afternoon, night, whatever it may be. Make it beautiful. I'll catch you on the next one.